Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you today. Thank you for tuning in. We're in Hebrews chapter 6 today, and we're going to be talking about the peril of departing from the faith. But also, the Apostle Paul introduces a new subject, and it's called covenant. But he follows along on the line that he begins in chapter 5 concerning Jesus Christ being our great high priest. So uh, this is a very informative chapter, but we want to go ahead and before we begin, we want to hear from the psalmist. And notice what uh, the psalmist says, the Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. We're so thankful today that we have a Savior and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for uh, the Holy Ghost that comes alongside of us to help us. And we ask you now during this next few moments of study, Lord, enlighten us and we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Before we start in chapter six, let's back up to chapter five, because uh, the first part of the chapter that that is at hand, uh, Paul begins to talk uh, concerning uh, the very subject that we're going to begin with uh, in this session. Notice going back in uh, chapter, um, well, let's start in, in, uh, in chapter 5 and verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, dull of hearing is comes from the Greek word nothros, and it just means slow of mind. It means a, an inability or an unwillingness to be able to stretch of the mind to learn. And see, this is what the Hebrew Christians were uh, guilty of and also puts them in a very dangerous position because uh, without uh, the full knowledge of God, we can easily be deceived and go back on the Lord. And we don't want to draw back on him, do we? Uh, Notice verse 12, it says, "For for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God And you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That's where we get uh, the word perfection from a perfect talking about spiritual maturity. Amen. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, verse six, I mean, chapter six and verse one, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Let me go ahead and read this again from the uh, from the King James Version. Notice this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go 
on, let us go on unto perfection. Amen. Now we're talking about that. Now, what did we say about being perfect or spiritually mature? Being someone who is of full age. Paul here in verse one says, let us go on unto perfection. Now, we're not talking about without fault or failure. We're talking about being spiritually mature. Those in the body of Christ who have exercised themselves to the place to where they have grown in the Lord. They're able to discern between that which is good and that which is evil. And this is something that the Hebrew Christians had not developed in their life. So they were culpable for not going on in the things of God. But they also are exposed because being babies, babies do not know good from evil. They'll if you don't watch them, a child will put his hand on a hot stove and burn himself. I remember years ago when my youngest uh, uh, grandson was just crawling. I was we were all outside and, and I had a fire going in the fire pit and uh I was distracted for just about three or four seconds. And that little grandson had crawled and put his hands on that hot fire pit. And of course, his hands were burned. He didn't know not to do that. Uh, He had not developed to that place to where he was aware that fire can hurt you. Amen. And so this this is the position that the Hebrew Christians were in. They didn't know. That going back to Judaism, the all the implications and what would happen to them, the fact that they would fall from grace, uh, that they would place themselves in a position to where uh, they were guilty of apostasy. And see, this is why we as believers today, we need to exercise exercise ourselves by developing a prayer life, a good study habits, not just reading the word, not just uh, having a short devotion where we. Uh, consider things in the word of God on the surface, but we really begin to to get uh, good teaching, um, get behind good teaching, uh, study the word out for ourselves, daily study the word of God to see that the things that are being preached to us are really uh, are really true. They're really the word of God. And then find out for ourselves what the word of God says. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to teach us and to begin to reveal to us the truths that are in the word of God. Uh, this is how we develop into spiritually mature believers in Christ. Amen. Not just not just don't sit down and just and just let somebody spoon feed you and then uh, just get up and forget what kind of person you are. We need to develop these things. We need to become strong in the faith and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So once again, back <clears throat> in uh, uh, verse one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So what Paul lists here in these next two verses is what the basic doctrine of Christ is. But Paul tells us we've got to go on beyond that. I mean, what would you think of a child that uh, started kindergarten and then started next year in kindergarten? And I started the year again in kindergarten. And I know that there's some that have done that for one reason or another. After a while, you would think, man, this person is really dumb if he can't even get out of kindergarten. 
And this is where the Hebrew Christians found themselves. They were in kindergarten. Some maybe had progressed to the first grade, but that's as far as they've gotten. And so these are things that Paul is listing, things that we should already be aware of and should already have a foundation in these things. Notice that Paul says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, the foundation of faith towards God, the foundation of the doctrines of baptisms in verse two, the foundation of the laying on of hands, the foundation of the resurrection of the dead and the foundation of eternal judgment. Seven things here that we should already have underneath our belt. We should already be aware of. We should already be able to discuss these things. But yet we find so many in the church that have absolutely no knowledge of these things whatsoever. Well, they need to be taught and then and then we need to be tested and then we need to be taught again. We need to teach these things, remind our remind ourselves of these things, go these go uh, over in our mind over and over and over again. These things so that we become amen, solid believers on a foundational scale, because it is an absolute truth that the deeper your foundation is, the higher your house can be built upon that foundation. So that's a very important truth. And so let's go through these. Let's just take a minute and go through these. Uh, repentance from dead works means repenting of sin, a faith towards God that's talking about saving faith, receiving Christ as Savior. And what does that mean to you and I? What are the implications and what are the responsibilities once we have faith towards God and God uh, causes us to be born again? Uh, the doctrine of baptisms. There's three main baptisms uh, in scriptures. There's the baptism into Christ, wherein we're saved. There's water baptism, which is a public confession that we have received Christ as Savior and that uh, we accept him as Lord for the rest of our life. Then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, I consider this the third work of grace. There's salvation, there's sanctification, and there's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, I differ in the area of sanctification with the old time holiness folks. To me, sanctification is being set apart. It's like the aorist tense of the Greek verb. It's something that happens and then continues to happen. Amen. We are sanctified. We are set apart. But also that sanctification is something that uh, that continues on throughout uh, our Christian life. And see, that's a work of grace. It's an ongoing work of grace. Well, to me, the third work of grace is the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now that once again, that is something that happens and continues to happen throughout one's Christian life. Paul tells us that we are to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit to the point to where we're speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. And of course, laying on of hands is the transference of the anointing of the presbytery upon an individual, either to be healed or to be separated for God's purpose, plan and calling. And then the resurrection of the dead that takes place in two phases. First, there's the resurrection of the righteous uh, that takes place at the rapture. And then there is the resurrection of the wicked, which takes place at the end of the millennium before we go into the perfect state. The eternal judgment, that's also called the second death, which terminates with the wicked dead being cast into uh, the lake of fire. And then verse 
3 says, and this will we do if God permit. So um, we need God's help in going on beyond uh, these foundational truths. Of course, God will help us in everything concerning Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. So now Paul in relating, remember the argument or the discussion he began in chapter five, uh, speaking to the Hebrew Christians as being dull of hearing, uh, having once again uh, the need for milk and not able to take strong, uh, strong meat. Uh, this is the danger now of not going on into perfection. Uh, that's what Paul stated in chapter six, verse one. Notice beginning in verse four, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If now that's a big that's that that is the key in this uh, passage. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, let me go ahead and say this before we get into this passage of Scripture. I believe that once a child of God is born again, he is born again. And there's none occasion of him losing his salvation unless he commits apostasy. And that's exactly what Paul discusses here concerning. This is the warning that he has given to the Hebrew Christians because they very they have a liability that they could go back under the, the Judaic religious system and crucify the son of God afresh. In other words, denying uh, his efficacy and the efficacy of the blood of Christ to bring to them redemption and going back under a works of righteousness, which we know in reading through the entire Old Testament was not able to cause the Hebrew children to be complete. There's only one person that can make us complete, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial and resurrection. So I'm not preaching to you that a child of God can lose his salvation except in the area of apostasy. And so I want to go ahead and say that now before we actually get in uh, to the study of these three uh, verses, verses four, five and six. But notice Paul says, for it is impossible for those who were notice that once enlightened. That means once or once for all. That means becoming a true Christian, tasting of the heavenly gift. Uh, we're talking about here the new life and the sanctifying power of Christ as Savior and Lord made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I take that to mean uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues and of the powers of the world to come, speaking of our our um, our entry into the millennial kingdom and of the eternal state. And then once again, Paul says, if they shall fall away. Notice that if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So we see the context of which Paul is speaking here. He's speaking to the Hebrew Christians and he's given them a warning. If you go back, if you fall away and you deny the son of God, you turn your back on him and you go back under the law, you go back under circumcision like Paul, what Paul said to the Galatian church, you have failed and fallen from the grace of God. And that's a very serious offense. And so we can't, we cannot, we cannot do that. And I know there's, there's, uh, most believers will not do that. Even backsliders don't do that. Now to backslide 
is a very, very, and we'll see this in verses 7 and 8, it's a very dangerous position to find ourselves in. I know exactly what I'm talking about because I backslid for about a year. All right, now let's read verses 7 and 8. For the earth, which drinketh in the rain that comes oft upon it, and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burnt, is nigh unto cursing. See, this is a very dangerous position that uh, those who backslide find themselves. And so here is, is a danger of departing from the faith. Now, like I said earlier, backsliders aren't necessarily apostate. They're people who have been wounded, who have a very negative view of the church, uh, those that have been defiled through, through sin, those that uh, if they are true Christians, uh, they need to be restored to fellowship with Christ and with the church. Now, when I backslid, I got to the place to where I knew, I knew in my heart because it was the Holy Spirit that was still in me at that time. Amen. He was warning me, you've come to the line. You step over the line and there's no coming back. And that scared me. I'm telling you, that absolutely scared me. Even as a backslidden Christian, that scared me. And that's what caused me to start my way back. And it's amazing how in thinking about these things and the Holy Spirit then revealing to me how far I had fallen away from the things of God. And, and, and that, that thought, that realization is what uh, in, in sackcloth and ashes, I mean with tears coming down my cheeks, repenting before Almighty God and asking Him to take me back. And, and when I got home, I made the decision these 10 years I've been a believer, I, I, the house that I built, I'm tearing it down to the foundation. I, I'm, moving, I'm moving this wreck that I called a Christian life. I'm moving it off the foundation of Christ and I'm going to rebuild my house. But this time I'm going to rebuild my house on the word of God and on prayer. And that's exactly what I did. Amen. And that's what each of us have to do. So if I'm speaking to you today and you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're backslidden, you're not where you need to be. You used to be full of the spirit, you used to be full of the word of God, you used to sing psalms and hymns, you were regular in church. But something along the way defiled you, got you out of the way, distracted you. And here you are. You're in a pitiful shape, pitiful condition. I want you to know right now that God will work. If you'll pray, God will begin to work in your life again and bring you back to that place to where you left him. And then from there, proceed on from glory to glory. But you've got to repent. You've got to go down to back to the foundations. You've got to repent from dead works and you've got to have faith toward God. Amen. Praise God. So if you're backslidden, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. But you are in a very dangerous, precarious position because you can't step over that line. And if you do, oh, God help you. Notice what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. And there are many believers that have died prematurely. There are many that have suffered weakness and sickness. Why? Because they maintain a backslidden life. 
And God had enough of it. And God judged them. He chastened them. Amen. Don't be one of those. If you're not where you need to be and you know you're not where you need to be in the things of God, then you make a change right now. Amen. You get on your knees. If you're driving uh, and you're you know, behind the steering wheel, you begin to repent right now, just like I did. That's how I came back. That's how I repented and came back to God. Repenting behind the steering wheel of my vehicle, realizing how far that I had drifted away from the things of God. And it all began when I quit reading and studying the word of God. It all began when I quit praying. Those are your lifelines, brother, sister. Those are your lifelines. Maintaining a healthy, strong prayer life and strong study habits. Praise God in the word of God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Verse nine. Notice what Paul writes. He says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. God hadn't forgotten that. Even though you may not be where you are with the Lord, you used to be on fire for God, doing things, witnessing, being in church, getting participating in things of the church. But now you've drifted away. Amen. All of that work that you did for the Lord Jesus, God hasn't forgotten about that. He hadn't forgotten about your work and labor of love. Amen. Get right back into it. Praise God. Like one girl, I, I, when I used to work, secular job, and we were at break, and this one girl was talking about used to be a Christian. She used to be so happy, and she used to be so involved. And I told her, I says, well, you can get right back into that, but you should have seen the look on her face. She was lamenting and remembering the way she used to be, but had no intention of getting back there. And see, that's that is that is a dangerous position for you and I uh, to be in. Praise God. Notice this again. Verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, we know that we have better blessings in store for us concerning our salvation. And we know that God is not unfair. If you think that God is unfair, that you think that God has, has, has treated you unfairly, and that's the reason you're not where you used to be, you need to change your mind. You need to get on your knees. You need to begin to repent. And you need to talk to God about that. And I'm telling you, if you do it with sincerity of heart, God will speak to you. He'll show you. He'll reveal to you where, where you've gone wrong. Amen. And that way you can go ahead and correct that and get back into fellowship, good fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Verse 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, verse 12 again. That you be not slothful. Now, we've heard that Greek word before. It's the Greek word nothros, nothros. And what does it mean? It means dull of hearing. And so Paul is reiterating, don't you be dull of hearing. Don't you be slothful, but followers of them. I tell you, the greatest blessing for me as a young Christian was that I looked at spiritually mature men in the church and I followed them. I listened to them. My eyes were on them. I watched them. I watched their mannerisms. I watched how they worshiped God. I watched how, I watched how they testified, things of that nature. That helped me. It helped me to know that I had adults 
in the room that could help me as a young believer. Amen. Praise God that you be not slothful, but followers of them. If you're a young Christian and you're listening to this program, find a strong, mature group of believers and get in with them. I remember my wife, uh, she wanted to learn how to pray and she went to way across town where this is when we were living in Jacksonville. She went way on the other side of Jacksonville to a prayer group. And these adult ladies that were older than she was. But man, they had been praying for years. They knew how to pray. And she went there and because she wanted to know and learn what they had learned. And that's the way we do it. We find good, strong, mature people. Amen. In the church that we can follow. Amen. Praise God. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How are we going to inherit the promises through faith and patience. Amen. And then Paul gives us an example. Notice this in verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Notice that saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying. I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, let's look over these three verses. Now, What is Paul encouraging the Hebrew Christians to do? Do not be dull of hearing, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then Paul, he uses Abraham as an example. And he's going to tie in here. Now, we're going to begin to talk about not just Christ being the anchor of the soul, but we're going to be talking about the covenant that God made with Abraham and the covenant that God has made with us through the new covenant I'm speaking of through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his high priestly ministry. So let's read these verses again. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. That is the highest oath that God could give. He made an oath based upon his own character and his own person. Amen. Which is perfect, by the way, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying. I will multiply thee. And so after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It took Abraham 25 years. I tell you, for 25 years to get a prayer answered and for God to supply that which he had promised, it takes faith and it takes patience. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you want to learn about the faith of Abraham, go to Romans chapter four and read verses 17 through 21. And that shows to us the kind of faith that we need to have developed in our heart and life to get uh, to that place to inherit uh, the promises of God. Amen. Praise God. Unfortunately, the Hebrew Christians were guilty and were liable to do exactly the opposite of what Paul is saying here. See, that's what backsliders are. That's the condition they're in. They're going in the opposite direction. They should be going towards the things of God, but they're running away from the things of God. And of course, somebody that's guilty of apostasy, they have shut the door. All right. Uh, let's let's go ahead and read through the rest of this uh, chapter. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, the two immutable things are God's promise and then his oath. 
two immutable things, his promise to Abraham and then his swearing by himself that he would surely bring it to pass. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. That's your standard. That's one of the planks you stand on. It is impossible for God to lie. What God said he will do for you, he will do for you. But you've got to have faith and patience. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, excuse me, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is our forerunner. He's the one who has gone before us. He's the one that was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a vicarious death, was raised again, ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand, sending the Holy Spirit, and now his present ministry is that of uh, the high priest, our great high priest. Amen, praise God. And this is where Paul ends in this chapter, but he begins once again speaking of uh, the high priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I hope that this study today has been an encouragement to you. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for those, Lord, that may not be where they need to be. Lord, help the Word of God. Help them. Holy Spirit, help them. Let the Word of God get deep down on the inside of them. Bring conviction and a desire to once again return uh, to that uh, place where, where they are uh, through faith and patience inheriting the promise. And we thank you for it, Father. And we give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.